to the Kramer Podcast. Welcome to the show. My name is Kramer. This is the Kramer Says Podcast. We've been gone for three months, and we're back. And, um, well, the first show had to be with a guy from radio. Let me tell you all about him. Um, his name is Jason. He used to be the weekend warrior at WZPL. He was a nightclub DJ, a nightclub promotions guy, husband, father. And now, after many years of struggling uh, to make it in radio, because that's what you have to do in radio, uh, I give you Jason Hammer. He is half of the Hammer and Nigel show, the number one show, afternoon show on WIBC in Indianapolis. Welcome to the show, Hammer. Thank you, man. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well. Um, we've known each other for a long time. We worked together in the same station. Um, I was a big star, and you were a lowly grunt at the time. Uh, now right. things have changed. How does that feel? Uh, it's good because I'm a very petty, vindictive man, and <laughs> I am enjoying uh, the fruits of everything that's happening to me now, Kramer. That's what's happening. It's kind of it's my revenge it's... world tour. All the people who told me, you're not good enough, you suck. All the people that I've worked for that have knocked up strippers. This is such a redemption tour for me, Kramer. I love it. Well, it's it's good to see that you're, you've are you moved past it and, and, and you're not going to dwell so on people what they told you years ago. Right, um, it's, right. It's, it's interesting. I think, you know, my, my career was very much the same is that I, I was always uh, doing stuff on the fringe and did a bunch of stuff on the, 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 the outside and... Um, kept getting pulled back into radio. And then finally, when I did pull away from radio, you know, I, I, I left radio about 20 years ago. Um, but the, the industry has changed so much. The, the music industry has changed. The, the industry itself has changed. Do you see it harder and harder to, to be in radio today to draw an audience or, or is what you guys are doing in Indianapolis with Hammer and Nigel so unique that uh, you think it's, um, it rises above all the other noise? I would never go back to playing music jocking the hits uh, that I would rather do anything else than that because it sucks all the creative uh, life out of anybody that got into this business to do something <laughs> fun and creative. I mean, yeah. it's just boring. You're just talking up Taylor Swift songs and you're told to shut up. What's great about news talk radio, opinion radio. If you have bosses that let you drive the boat and do what you want, as long as it's in a responsible way, um, it's the best man. And for a long time, it wasn't my place to talk about these kind of things. You know, when I'm talking up Maroon 5 songs at right. a top 40 station, you know, it's not your place to talk about how John Kerry looks like Frankenstein. It's hard to insert that, right? It's hard to make it funny and insert it, make it timely and everything else. Right. So, man, honestly, in this AI world where, you know, all of these jobs are probably going to be taken by robots that sound like you here in the near future... The two places that I think you can always fall back on where you're going to need live bodies that can actually have conversations with you, news and sports radio. Let me ask you this. With that being the case, we've had a lot of news over the last few days. Uh, let's go back in time just a few. And let me get your um, – there's a there's a thing that you run on the station called Is This Anything? Let, let me ask you, is this anything? I don't have the the, the big uh, play up that you do. <laughs> uh, is this anything? Um, last week, the uh, it was revealed that the FBI – has a, a new category for MAGA, those who voted for Trump. Now, this is the first time that the, the FBI has ever dictated a, a category of threat to national security based on who people voted for in a U.S. election. Can you talk about that? What are your thoughts? This is my shocked face. <laughs> I mean, is anybody surprised? Like, they're finally being called out on it, so they feel like they have to come clean now. But this is an administration, and I put the FBI and the DOJ in that conversation. They're a wing of this administration, whether people want to admit it or not. 
They would rather look at who's attending school board meetings, uh, you know, who's standing outside of abortion clinics than they would who's crossing the southern border. So if you're asking me if I'm surprised that, you know, who you voted for is getting attention from folks in this administration, in the Department of Justice, in the FBI, no, absolutely not. Um, but you know what? Allegedly, 81 million people said this is fine. So I guess it is what it is. Uh, but no, I'm not surprised on this at all. I'm actually, The only thing I'm surprised about, Kramer, is that it took this long for this information to, to kind of come out. Because this kind of story has been around for a long time. Well, you know, what's funny about it is that we've been saying, those of us who've been fighting this fight for the last three and a half years have been saying the exact same thing over and over and over again. And uh, we've been ostracized. We've been called crazy. We've been called nutbags. We, we've said, you know, they say that we wear tinfoil hats. And it's amazing that um, now that we're into the third year of, um, you know, all in this together to flatten the curve. Um, now that we're in the third year of this and we're starting to, to realize, hey, maybe that two weeks that Eric Holcomb said you got to lock down and that other governors around the, the country said you got to lock down, you know, for the safety of everything. In hindsight, should we have done that or should we have said, fuck off, we're not doing that? I think choice B is the route right there. <laughs> uh, and, and you're right. You know what? 2020 coming off the heels of the mostly peaceful uh, protest that caused $2 billion worth of damage nationwide, uh, we're still dealing with the fallout of everything COVID-related. And the Republican governor in Indiana, and I can't stress that enough, Republican wanted to put you in jail if you did not have a mask on. It wasn't until the attorney general at the time, Curtis Hill, came out and said, yeah, no, this that's you know not going to happen here. Now, and you think about all the crap. I'm going to write a book one day on all the crap that was shoved down our throats from six feet of social distance, which, which was just a made up arbitrary number met yep. in the middle. So people would shut the hell up. Uh, the ridiculous things we did during COVID, the shields at the restaurants, the you have to sit down to eat, but stand up and go to the bathroom. All the ridiculous crap that you said, this doesn't make sense back in the day. You're a conspiracy theorist. You wear a tinfoil hat. Lo and behold, it turned out to be true that we were right. All of it, 100% of it. And, and, and what we're told, again, is we're, we're, we're starting through a new cycle now. So let's talk about what happened over the weekend. Over the weekend, Israel gets attack, attacked. Um, they said it's a surprise attack. They're 9-11. Uh, they were completely caught on the, the back of their heels. Is this another eye-opener, or is this just one more phase of what has to happen um, to, to put us under another lockdown? And I'll go into deep, deeper detail with that if you haven't realized where we're headed yet. But is it likely that this is just the, the next step in, in, in what they've got planned? Or do you go that far? I, Are you that deep? I don't know if I'm that deep, but I've taken you down another direction, okay? You turned one way, I want to turn the other way. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is just another step of what you're going to see worldwide between now and November of next year, because yeah. they know the president of the United States has never been weaker. This is just the next baby step. And now here comes China. They're going to take over Taiwan. 
This is another step. Everybody feels like this is their last gasp. If you want to get over, if you want to pull some bull crap, this is the time because the president, the quote unquote most powerful man in the world is tripping on his bike. He's tripping down the stairs. He's falling asleep. He's slurring. Uh, he's talking about MAGA Republicans. No one fears the United States right now. And honestly, and I hate to say this because I've got family who are in the military. People don't fear the military the way they used to because they see what our generals are talking about right now. What books should you read? Should we, you know, have this sort of, uh, you know, video where somebody that's a drag queen is promoting to get people come into the military? The United States has never been weaker, Tim, and that's why this is happening. Does that scare you? That it should. You? I mean, it should, especially when you see the southern border being wide open, right? We hear the stories of the people they capture at the border. We have no idea how many people have just walked across ports of entry or came across other sides uh, from Eagle Pass all the way over to Arizona who want to kill you, who want to kill your children, who want to kill your wife. These are the people that we're just letting in. There's no accountability. And one day somebody's going to act on that. And the Biden administration is going to be like, we had no idea this was coming. We had no idea. Well, it's, 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 it's asinine to think that you can advertise being a sanctuary country, a sanctuary city. And then when people come beg for sanctuary, that it's not going to be a problem because you don't have any of the resources to be either of those two things. And that's the situation we found ourselves in. But more importantly, to your point, we've, we've got an open border. We've got a war that just started in the Middle East against Israel that has known enemies across the planet. We've allowed our border to be open for the last three years. They're not going to do another COVID lockdown. That's not going to happen. So when they started talking about the masks and the COVID and all that stuff, the analysts that I work with nationally, we all said, well, that's not going to be the case. They've got a lockdown for 2024. We don't believe, Hammer, that there's going to be an election in 2024. There will be some type of national emergency. And a war in Ukraine ain't going to do it. Right. Right. It's got to be here in this country. And the only way that that happens, realistically, is to have a war start someplace else with sleeper cells that are already here, ready to act out against anybody uh, that the Americans help in this, this battle. So what's already been said? We saw what happened in the streets in, in San Francisco, in the streets of New York, to where they were calling for antifada and revolution in the streets of America. If we go to help these uh, people in Israel, that's happening right now. So with, with that knowledge being out there and the fear of, of military analysts around the nation of this coming home, if we have a world war and it's geared towards the Middle East, we're for the first time in U.S. history, we will not um, go har unharmed this time. There's sleeper cells here. We know it for sure. So kind of talk about that. What's the fear? Have you guys been talking about that on the show? And what kind of um, uh, information have you seen that makes you believe it may or may not happen? Well, I mean, the information comes from the southern border, right? When the Border Patrol puts out their reports on captures, drugs, these are the people that are sex predators. These are the people that are on the terror watch list. Again, those were the people that were caught. Those were the exceptions, not the rule. The rule is people have just been getting away with it. So you'd be incredibly naive to think that everything's going to be fine. All these people from Venezuela, all these people possibly from China that want to come in and do God knows what, they will. And there's no accountability. Uh, the Biden administration has this app, right? It's a, the biggest joke of an app I've ever seen where you're supposed <laughs> to fill out the information. But the right. thing is, it's a 100% success rate. They're approving everyone. 
I could come across the border and write on this app, I want to kill all of these senators. I want to set off a dirty bomb and I will get approved and I'll get a court date to come in for my citizenship because nobody is supervising this. So it'd be incredibly naive to say that there's not going to be problems with national security. This is not an immigration crisis. It's not. It's a national security crisis that's happening at the southern border. So if if you put your thinking hat on, right, and you get your ideological hat off, right, not left or right, just common sense hat, your common sense hat, and you look at the situation for what it is, how much time do you think that we have left based on what we're seeing happen both nationally and internationally before we see kinetic action in this country? And it, it doesn't have to be realistic. I mean, it can be anything, right? But do you see that? Because I think other people, I was in the gun store over the weekend. It was packed. Mm-hmm. So there's a reason for that. And the number one thing was, is people see what's happening and they saw how Israel got overrun so quickly by a group of men who just went house to house killing indiscriminately. There was no battle. There was no setup, right? They didn't, they, it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. It was just, it was a horde that came through. Um, the same thing could happen here. So let's say that that happens here in, here in Indiana. What do you think the reaction is going to be in Beach Grove, Indiana, where you're from? Well, I think the, the next step of that is it won't be just door to door because citizens in this country have the right to carry. That's not the case in Israel. So it's going to be it soft. Is, no, 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 they're all armed. That was the thing. That's what caught them off guard is that they're all armed. They're all members of the, the military. They've all been trained. Right. 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 They still got run over by a group right. that came in, knew what they were doing before the other before they could catch on. So. So. I'm but I sorry. think a lot of these like women and children, though, like now children probably would not be have right. a firearm. But in this country, uh, if I'm not home and somebody breaks in the house, there's no doubt in my mind. Mrs. Hammer is going to let them know what's going on with the weapon that we have at home. I don't know if that's the case in Israel. So it's going to be soft targets in the United States. It's going to be your gun-free zones. It's going to be your malls. It's going to be your schools. And it's going to be in these cities that have soft gun laws. Uh, You know, listen, I understand there's a population difference, but it's not surprising. You see a lot of these attacks happen in places like California, places like New York, places like Chicago area where soft gun laws are, you know, like what I mean is people who don't have their firearms as much as somebody in Indianapolis, somebody as much, you know, in Macon, Georgia. So it's going to be soft targets. And when that happens, this country is going to have to come to Jesus moment. And again, not to beat the dead horse here, but it's going to be within now and November of 2024 or even January of 2025, when the new president is sworn in, people are going to try to get over as much as they can on the softness that is the United States right now. So do you think that they're going to allow a 2024 election to happen? I do, because I think there's too much money involved not to. Uh, There's a lot of corruption involved in elections. And I think follow the paper trail. That election is going to happen. If it means they have to bump Joe Biden off of that ticket, they have no problem doing that. And honestly, I think that's what's going to be the case anyway. And if they bump Joe Biden risk. off, if they I, I bump don't... Joe Biden off and it's Michelle Obama, if it's Gavin Newsom, if they think they have a shot to win, there's no way in hell they're going to cancel that. I don't play. think they do, though. I don't think even with the, the, the polling that we've seen on Gavin Newsom against Trump coming in, does not it, it does not poll well. Right. So they, they don't have a, Michelle against Trump does not do well when you do real polling. 
And I, I think, Hammer, what they've gotten to is that, you know, I, for the last 10 years, government is all I've really worked in. And um, what happened in the state of Indiana when, um, well, I was on WIBC. Um, I don't know if you know this. The, the caucus fired me after appearing on the WIBC and telling people to go back to work and stop listening to Holcomb. So uh, that was $400,000 a year out of my pocket for telling people what their rights were. Um, I was threatened by the state house right. <laughs> for, for, for talking out loud. So for people to think that in the state of Indiana, that the Republicans are any different than the right. When you're doing something right, when you're telling people, hey, what your rights are. In fact, that's what I asked Marin. I said, so you're going to you're upset with me that I'm instructing people what their rights are. She says, well, you uh, you do what you think you got to do and the caucus. will do what it thinks it's got to do. Well, I continued because telling people to go back to work was the right thing to do. There are I, right. I got to tell you, the the Republican Party in the state of Indiana and Rob Kendall, who this is an inside ball game conversation now, but Rob Kendall is another uh, person that works at WIBC. He has no love for the Republicans in the state of Indiana because they are they're a cool kids club right now in the state of Indiana. And it's concerning. They are not Republicans. They are rhinos. And the reason I know I worked with them, I thought yeah. that they were here to fight for us. And during COVID, we didn't see any of them step up and say, hey, listen, this is unconstitutional. It was those of us on the outside that, hey, said we weren't even elected officials. Well, maybe that's why we said it. And both of you were right. Both of you are 100% right. There's a mayor's race here in Indianapolis where if you didn't know anything at all about politics, if you woke up from a coma and I showed you the policies of what both of these guys want to do, and I told you, pick the Republican, you couldn't could. do it. Joe Hogsett has been the biggest disaster of a mayor in Indianapolis history. The homicide rates have never been higher. The crime has never been higher. Um, he's a total train wreck and he's vulnerable. But yet the Republican candidate who has infinite wealth and had a puncher's chance at the beginning of this thing to make yep. at least a run at it said, hot damn, those policies are great. I'm going to be a gun grabber, too. And I think his crime policy is perfect. What the hell yep. are we doing? So both yep. of you guys are right. But I do want to go back to one thing, though. I know your polling shows that Gavin and Michelle would get beat by Trump. But does that factor in the fraud margin? Because if this makes me tinfoil hat guy, this makes me tinfoil well, hat guy. That's, that's these the mail-in ballots, man, these mail-in ballots, uh, it's a problem. There's no way. The polling, see, see, this is what people don't understand, is that we're this close in this country to losing it all, right? Uh, on a national level, people are more disgusted with both sides of the aisle, and they don't trust either side right now. And so they're looking for somebody to come out. And the one guy that is trusted on the right, at least, with, you know, 60 to 70 percent approval is Trump because he's yeah. already done it before. Right. Um, and, and there's no way that as, as more Hispanics and more uh, blacks gravitate towards Trump because they saw what he did. They knew what their life was in 2019 versus what it is today. So to be able to cheat, and this is what's the cheat factor. Right. Nobody believes it. because. Trump got more votes than he did last time. And by polling, I'm sorry, he's, he got more votes in 2020 than he did in 2016. That's never happened in U.S. history. Do so, you think RFK will siphon any votes away from him, though? We found out yesterday no. RFK Jr. is going to be in the no, mix. Normally, that would fade not. the incumbent. But do you think that will affect any swing voters in Wisconsin, Arizona? No, the ones that are going to vote for Kennedy are not serious Trump supporters anyway so they, they don't matter they were going to go to whoever they were never solidified those who know what they want in the future you feel comfortable though that just trump voters is enough to get him over the top yeah 
And I, what I'm saying is not, not just Trump voters, not just MAGA, not just Trump supporters. I'm saying the people who remember 2019 in the black and Hispanic, Hispanic communities that are silent. They're not going into those communities. They don't expect him to win there. But when you go and you poll there, holy cow. Every time that we've gone into a black community or Hispanic community and asked, what's your opinion of Trump? They can't wait for the election. The, the problem is, and this is what I keep telling the guys in D.C., is that, listen, the same thing that we're doing in the field, they're doing in the field. And we've yeah. got to plan for something better than what we did. We cannot try and play catch up, right? We can't go after the election and go, hey, you cheated. We got to make sure it doesn't happen in the first place. And, so, and you got to uh, fight fire with fire. Like, I know that Republicans like the day of experience, right? You like to get up, go to the ballot box, cast your vote. I'm the same way. But you've got to take advantage of these rules. You might not like ballot harvesting, but it exists. So play yep. the game. You've got to yep. fight fire with fire. You can't you can't change things until you're in power. I told Bob Thomas he ran for uh, the guy that used to own Capital City Fort. Well, he still owns it. Um, but I told Bob when he ran for Congress up in the third, I said, you can't win or you can't make change unless you win. And you have to win. You have to tell the people what's going on. We knew that Mark Souter was having an affair and he wouldn't tell anybody because he thought that was dirty politics. And I go, it's not dirty politics. I mean, that, that's what he's doing. Right. right. I mean, that's, it's a fact. That's not dirty. Uh, we're That's not what I want in the mayor's race in Indianapolis. That's what I'm begging for in the mayor's race of Indianapolis. Joe Hawksett allegedly was in a rehab facility in Richmond, Indiana during the yep. riots and was nowhere to be found. But his opponent refuses to call him out on it. There are There is an investigative reporter that has ties to my radio station that spoke with someone in the rehab facility with the mayor of Indianapolis. And the wow. thing is, Tim, nobody outside of our show and this radio station has even thought about bringing that up. I promise oh, they you have. in other they Democrat have. cities. I can, like, I can guarantee you they have. And the reason that they haven't brought it up is because they've got, they're leveraged as well. It's yeah. no different. Joe Biden's not going to go out and put somebody on the, on the, you know, roast him when his daughter's diary is floating out there, when his son's laptops are floating out there, when his brother's pictures on the gay porn sites are floating out there. I mean, they're not going to, they're not going to start pointing the finger and throwing rocks at glass houses. That's the situation that we got ourselves into. So here's right. the, here's but, the but, but real quick though, like even right. if I spoke to media members in Philly, Atlanta, Chicago, I've been fired by a lot of places. So I got friends. in places. <laughs> You and me both. <laughs> Even in those very blue cities with Democrat mayors, Democrat councils, and Democrat media, if they thought they could get clicks, if they thought they could win an Emmy on exposing where the mayor was during the riots, arguably the darkest hours in the history of this state were the two days of rioting for the George Floyd, they would cover that story. If Lori Lightfoot went missing in Chicago for two days, even the people in that media in Chicago that voted for her would have an expose out on where the hell was Lori Lightfoot. Here's an investigative report. That's not happening here. I think you're right. Everybody's such a butt sniffer. They want access. I I think you're right to to one degree. I, I, you, you said it at the end there. Nobody in this city, I don't see a journalist in this city that has the backbone to do anything because it's not been done. We tested all of them. See, you see, when COVID was going on, we were taking data on a daily basis and feeding it to the, to the journalist. And several journalists in Indianapolis told us to stop doing that. They didn't want this information. We said, this is direct information from this study, this study, this study. What we're being told is a lie. And you're, you're regurgitating the lie. They didn't want to know. They didn't want to know that the information of masks don't work, right? 
we're, we're, we were forcing little kids to wear them. They didn't want journalism in this country is dead. It's opportunism. Right. What they want is they want to be invited to the party. They don't, they don't care about the news um, a story. They want to be invited to the party at night that lets them rub elbows with the elites. So what's the solution, Jason? What do we do? Do we keep going down this road or, or do we say at some point that the house has electrical issues? It's time to let, rip, rip all these wires out, right? And start from scratch. Is that feasible? To an extent, um, we're pretty fortunate in our position, you know, to have a big platform, right? The signal of this radio station that I'm at, WIBC, one of, if not the strongest signal in the state of Indiana. You can hear this damn radio station up by Lafayette, down by the border, east and west. So we've got a large enough platform to call out some of these ridiculous things that we see and make it make a difference. Now, we're, again, the exception, not the rule. There's a lot of people who probably are doing the same things that I am in smaller radio stations that don't have the support, that don't have the reach, and that's where the problem lies. But going back to people wanting to be invited at the party, there was a story that we broke on our show about the refugees at Camp Atterbury. And we heard the reports that, yeah, there are some good things happening, but there's some crazy-ass things happening, too. A lot of poop. A lot of violence, a lot of fighting. So we reported on that. And the investigative journalist, this weasel named Bob Siegel at Channel 13, tried to do a fact check on me. And his sources were the people that worked at Camp Atterbury who had skin <laughs> in the game. And then a year later, after they tried to flame me, the United States government scratches a big-ass check to Camp Atterbury for millions of dollars in damages caused by the refugees. I'm still waiting on my apology from that big ear goon at Channel 13. Well, th that's it. That's how the machine works. That's what we've noticed, right? Um, it happened to me in Indiana. And I'm, I'm not a complainer. I just go out and make a note. But, but I am a talker, right? I'm one of those guys, uh, Gary Havens. You remember Gary? Gary asked me, he goes, the why? GLH. You know, <laughs> GLH, he goes, he goes, Kramer, he says, you know, he says, Burning a bridge, he says, only requires gasoline and a match. Why do you bring all the other shit with you and, and just blow it up at the same time? And, and I said, well, it's simple. I burn bridges because I know how to swim. When I burn a yeah. bridge, I'm either on the other side of the river and no longer need that bridge, or I can swim that gap. I'm not worried about it. Um, my thing is, I don't know how you are. You, 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 um, your, your commentary on IBC um, is a combination of, of, of humor um, and bite in that you're, you're trying to, uh, tell something very, very bad. It's like telling a, a very bad story, uh, to an adult when there's children in the car, right. And <laughs> you're using a lot of euphemisms and allegories and, and, uh, so on. Do you think we're getting to the point where people are starting to wake up and realize that what they've been sold, um, is, is done and that we are in the final days of this nation. We are Rome on fire. It's not Rome in the early stages. We're burning. Uh, and we're flaming out. Do you think that people realize that and, and that we, it's time to stop it? Do you get that? They won't realize it because we are so tribal right now. And I get social media is not real life. And I say this all the time. Social media is not real life. But people are so tribal. Like you, anybody that voted for Joe Biden and you ask them, how do you think things are going? Things are more expensive. There's multiple wars breaking out. Situation at the border sucks. Well, it's better than Trump. 80% of these losers would say that. So, you know, it's so tribal right now. I don't think they realize Rome is burning. And without being over the top hyperbole guy here, 
man, another four years of whoever's pretending to be Joe Biden is going to be a big problem in this country. Like every election, you always hear, this is the most important election that's ever been, right? Half the time it's bullshit. This one has got some legs to it. Yep. Yep. Well, let's go back to that. You just said, who's pretending to be Joe Biden this week? Do you believe that that's actually Joe Biden? Is that Joe Biden that we know from 2016? Man, you listen to a soundbite he did just from like debates, like debating Trump in like 2020. He sounds like a different guy. To say that he's lost his fastball is an insult to people who have actually lost a little bit on their fastball. Um, Hammer, here's the one one that got me. Now, here's the one that got me. And again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I just look at the facts, right? Go look at a picture of Joe from 2016. Joe Biden in 2016 had earlobes. Today's Joe doesn't have any earlobes at all. They're gone. Yeah. Unless he had plastic surgery and they removed his earlobes and they negated to tell us about it, right? Old Joe had a certain way of speaking and a draw. And, you know, he's kind of, well, let me tell you about, right? He was homie. This guy ain't homie. And he don't have no earlobes. So just <laughs> I, I just want to know about the earlobes. Just fix it. And, and by the way, do a test because it's, it's 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 phenomenal. You're and right. Before 2016, he had earlobes. Um, and so, the thing is, like, I've seen what happens to people who have dementia. I lost my grandfather. Uh, I'm here. And it happens. You, you droop a little bit. Your speech slows down. You're a totally different guy. You don't sound the same. Yep. I see a lot of what happened to my grandpa happening to Joe Biden right here. And let's not act like he doesn't love some plastic surgery. The first debate that he came out with Donald Trump in 2020, he looked like the Joker. I mean, that thing yep. was pulled tighter than fucking leather, man. It was stretched. So yep. anything they can do to try to make this guy look a little younger and a little less like Groupie, <laughs> they're going to do. So do you see, Do you see? Um, let's say that Joe makes it to the finish line. I'm going back to what I expect to happen. Again, I, I, we don't expect, and there are some, some serious people, military people uh, as well, that, that don't expect a 2024 election to happen. Um, and uh, let's say that it does. Let's say that it does. And Joe makes it to the finish line. Joe wins again. What do you think happens after that? I think he steps down about a year later, if that, for health and family reasons. And if Kamala is still on his ticket, here comes President Kamala Harris. So ultimately, the campaigning for this election, then, if one believes that it's going to happen, is that do you want three plus years of President Kamala Harris, someone who was so unlikable by her own party that she dropped out before Amy Klobuchar? Democrat voters said Amy Klobuchar is more likable than Kamala Harris. Let that sink in for a little bit. That's savage. She's a bitch. Yeah, horrible woman. <laughs> she's likely, a horrible she's woman. A bitch. Yeah, she's horrible. Um, <clears throat> so you, you you still believe that a, an election is going to happen? I'm. I'm I do. It's funny. I've, I've been waiting. I've been. I've been wagering uh, with friends and saying I don't think it's going to happen. So we'll have to do a bottle of bourbon or something, case of beer or whatever. Uh, I, I I I knowing what I know now and knowing what I what what's, what's most likely to happen. Um, if we do have an election, it'll be an election under duress, right? Yes. Meaning that it's all mail-in. We can't leave. We've got terrorism happening on a daily basis, and, and they've got to get that under control. Um, what concerns me is that Black Lives Matter and Antifa have aligned 
with the Palestinians. Oh, yeah. 530 this Thursday in Indianapolis. There's a big rally downtown Monument Circle. Um, all the folks that are pro Hamas, pro Palestinians, all together in one happy place, Tim. 530 on the circle. That ought to be awesome. I wonder yeah. if the Jewish community is going to join them. You know, and downtown, there's a big bridge that connects like a couple things to IUPUI's campus or Indiana mm-hmm. University of Indianapolis, whatever they call it now. And it's got Black Lives Matter written across this bridge. And it's not like graffiti. This was a you know production that was done. Somebody printed it off. It's on the bridge. How would you feel if you were a Jewish student who goes to IUPUI and you see that local NDBLM is tweeting out these horrific things, wanting your people annihilated, and you're right. trying to go to class, you're paying a lot of money to be there, and you look up and you see BLM across the bridge. Yeah, because BLM was never about Black Lives Matter, it was never about black people, it was a political movement the entire time. And now that the political movement has changed away from them, they're going to use that political power where they where they want to put it, where they think justice you know, is denied. And so now they're going to move with a terrorist organization. Hamas is not a peaceful organization. They're terrorists. No. They're fighting by Iran, 100%. Right. was the same. So I, I think that you know our city leaders better really start thinking about their alignment with Black Lives Matter. being a, It's not a group for, for people. It's a political movement. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. And the thing is, I think a lot of it now is their desperate attempt to stay relevant. After Patrice Cullors bought mansion number two, was scouting out location for mansion number three, and a lot of places were wondering where the hell their money went, I think a lot of their mojo went out the window. And for all these woke, super progressive businesses in Indianapolis, ran by very guilty white people who look like they want to fit in, the Sun King Corporation, all these other folks that had mandatory donations to Black Lives Matter, how do you feel now? Are you going to apologize to the Jewish community for funding some of this hate that they're involved in? No, they're not going to do that because they're horrible people, too. So anybody that partnered with this and anybody that feels like this is some organization that still has clout, you're just doing it for attention and you're a rotten bastard. It's one of the two things. Maybe it's both. Well, you know, it's funny you bring up Patrice Cullors. I don't know if you knew. Um, I worked with The Hill. Uh, I'm sorry, the Daily, the Daily Caller, not The Hill. The Daily Caller. Um, on um, breaking that story. I don't know if you knew that. Um, That's awesome. If you go search search, uh, Kramer, uh, Mosaic, uh, here's what's funny, and I think you'll find this humorous, and this way I'm telling you the story, is that uh, nobody would do it because this was the height of Black Lives Matter. So we knew um, that she was getting, that she'd given her baby daddy a a lot of money. We knew that she was uh, money laundering to other family members, and so um, nobody wanted to go on the record because they were afraid that they had, you know, they would get burned down or get attacked or whatever. And so I said, well, I've got a building that if they burn it down, it actually benefits me. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll use that address as my address. And, and so we told, we broke the story and gave that address as the business address. And, and, and if somebody burned it down, it burned it down. Right. 
Right. But that's where we are. People are afraid of speaking out because they think that they're going to get punished if they speak out. And Jason, people that, that do what you're doing, I mean, there, there's a rich history of radio guys with smart aleck, you know, answers and, and quick comebacks that have ended up dead in the parking lot. Does that ever concern you? Do you ever worry about something you say, somebody taking it the wrong way or, or, or one of these crazies that goes in and does a mass shooting, say, I'm going to go after to Jason Hammer? Have you ever gone down that road and thought about that? I don't worry if about you my safety because I... I'm fortunate enough that I can carry here at work. This is the same radio station Greg Garrison used to leave his pistol in the bathroom at. So <laughs> they kind of turn the uh, you know a blind eye to some of the things we do here. So I carry with me. I carry in the parking lot. We have a locked garage kind of here. We're pretty lucky in that aspect. Um, you know, I worry about you know my kids, somebody going after my kids. But you know, I've had those conversations with them, and. Other than like safety issues, I've had teachers of my kids take it out on my children for things that I've said on the radio. I had a honors English teacher at my oldest son back when he was still in high school, uh, ask him about his white privilege. And God bless him. My oldest is a chip off the old block. He could beat a lot of people in debates right now. He savaged that woman. And that's what I heard like cats in the cradle and a single tear came out of my eye. I loved every freaking minute of it. Do we? Do you think that we need more toxic masculinity? Men who say "fuck you," I'm not doing that, and and just go about their lives. Yes, yes. And you know what? We need it in the military first. Let's do a little pyramid. Let's start with the military. Can I get a little less drag queen and a little more badass? That's all I'm asking for. Just a little less, you know, reading the books from Kendi and a little bit more hard ass. That's all I'm asking for, and then go down the line. If you're somebody that doesn't want to be an alpha male, that's fine. But you don't get to criticize those who are. Like, that's fine. If you're somebody that's scared of guns, scared of conflict, you're a super introvert, I get it. Okay? Not everybody is Mike Tyson. I understand that. But you also don't get to give a lecture to the people who are. Just mind your business. You know, here's what gets me most is that, um, and I've said this a lot of times in my podcast and my lives that I do is that, you know, my dad was a minister. We moved to quite, quite a bit when I was a kid. I went to 14 different schools. And in one year, I went to three different schools. So I, I know about dealing with bullies and how to, how to deal with bullies. And it's amazing to me that all of these beta males who want us to come down to their level, the only reason they want us to do that is to appease the bullies that they're afraid of. And we're not afraid of the bullies, right? right? I'm not afraid of the bully. I'll take the bully on directly, right? right. Um, but they're afraid of the bully, so they want to appease the bully, and they want to appease it to where everybody is nice to everybody so nobody gets in a fight. Well, that's not possible. It's not going right. to happen. And with the rise of social media, these little nerds or whatever you want to call them, introverts, betas, who may have been picked on their whole life, now can take on a totally different persona and go after other people and become the people they acted like they exactly. hated for so long. So well, now the, the guy with green hair, the, the gender study student who's got you know a piercings in every single hole, now they can go after the people like me, the people like you, whoever, and they know what it's like now. They're on the other side. That's what social media has brought to the table. Well, that and COVID made everybody a little bit, a bit, a bit of a, uh, you know, a Nazi, a little Karen got a little bit of power, never had it before, and now they're going to get even, and everybody's got to wear their goddamn mask, and everybody's got to wear it because it's the thing to do. It's the rules. Everybody's got to follow the rules. Get your fucking mask on. That's You're going to kill we... grandma. You're going to kill grandma. Um, and, and, and I think that 
you know, what we saw and, and I, I, the best way to put it, um, I got a lot of hate mail. I, I said a couple different things and, and I'll say them here because I think they're interesting. Um, the, num- the, the number one thing is that the hysteria of COVID, when you look back in history, was no different than the, the, um, way, uh, the um, uh, Salem witch trials. The hysteria that went around them, the exact same thing, the exact same thinking. Grown adults drowning people, right? And if you live, we're going to dunk you in water and leave you underneath there. And if you, if you live, you're a witch. <laughs> you well, sorry about that. I guess you weren't a witch after all. The mentality, the upside down thinking, we're going to drown somebody to prove that they're not a witch. I mean, it just, it, it just amazes me. The same thing here. So it's it's crazy women thinking, right? Because the Salem witch trials was from hysteria from women and men didn't know what to do with it. So they went along with it. They didn't know how to deal with it until finally one guy came forward and said, fuck, we're done with this bullshit. Right. Right. It's crazy. Right. So well, and with the COVID stuff, though, like instead of the women leading the charge, this was the science. You have got guys science. like Dr. Wait Fauci and Dr. Burks going up there saying, wear a mask, the droplets, the mask all, never worked. Like, nobody sat back and said, wait a minute, this cloth mask that's got the Cubs logo on it that it came from China is supposed to protect me from a virus started in China to begin China? with? Yeah, I, I, well, it, it's it's how asinine everything was and how upside down things were in that we were being told different things on different days. And then they came back. Well, it's the noble lie. He told you that you didn't have to wear masks. People died, right? In their mentality, people died because he said, don't go get a mask. We've got to save them for the medical workers. Well, they don't work. They never worked. He wrote a story, 15 years, uh, a study 15 years previous that said masks do not work. They primarily serve as a, um, uh, what's what's the term they use it, to to coddle you, to make you think you're doing something. And that's what he said. In his first interview, that's what he said. We should have never listened to them. And it wasn't just that. Tim, it wasn't just Dr. Fauci. He's kind of the mascot of all this asinine stuff. But think about all the folks in all these hospitals nationwide that are in charge of statistics, right? How many COVID deaths were not really COVID deaths? My favorite was the guy in Orlando that died in a motorcycle crash, but he happened to have COVID. So they ruled out a COVID death. Like at the very beginning of this thing, like I admit, I watched the dashboard. I was looking at the numbers. I was seeing the channel. Look at all these deaths. But really, what we know now, that was just a combination of normal sickness, flu, underlying health conditions, or in some cases, motorcycle crashes that were all yep. being counted as COVID. Well, what got me was when we went to the we went to the numbers. We went to the the numbers, the core numbers, because you know, I, I, come on, I've been lied to before. So let's find out what they're lying about. Let's see if they're really telling us the truth. And we found the exact same thing when I looked at the categories at the top you know, where they show you the red bars, where this many people of heart have died and this many lung and this many people. Well, I said, okay, we're going to take all those out. Those are people that had pre-existing conditions. They were going to die anyway, so so they don't matter. But why do they need to add COVID deaths to accidental drownings, poisonings, and electrocutions? Why right. did they have 10,000 people that they gave COVID deaths to that they knew committed suicide, drown, or was were, there were four people accidentally electrocuted over that period, they gave them COVID deaths. That's when I said it's bullshit. And that's when I started really speaking out and saying, hey, listen, this is all bullshit. And I don't care what, where, uh, what, it, what is it called? I don't, you know, I'm going to let the, uh, the, the, the milk goes where it goes and the cookies crumble, whatever. I'm going to let the, 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 com- the I'm going to let it fall where it falls. The truth is the truth. Yeah. And here we are three years later. Um, you know, the Republican party has fired me. 
of all of our clients um, in the last, well, I, you know, you've known me for almost 40 years in that time that the, the clients that I've built over a 35, 40 year period gone out of business, I uh, can't advertise anymore. So we had to go to different, a different uh, channel and, and look at different ways of, of monetizing what I do, but I haven't stopped. And that's been the hard part is, is being very vocal about what you believe and still being able to be employed. So with that being said in radio and media, you know, you've been very vocal for a long time. Do you ever see a pushback that at some point the wrong group buys your station and comes in and says, Jason, thanks for the thanks for the the the, the fun, but today's the last day. Do you see that happening, you know, being as outspoken as you are about things? I don't as long as my show is good because even liberals like money. Listen, when our radio station was purchased by Urban One, the biggest, you know, minority-owned media radio group that's out there, everybody that hates WIBC, hates conservative talk radio, was excited because they thought we were all going to get fired. Hammer, Tony Katz, Rob Kendall, Nigel, they're all going to get fired. It's going to be beautiful. No, we all do our jobs pretty well. We have the number one show in the city. We were named number one in America by one of the biggest trade publications. And yeah, Michael Jordan said it best. Even Republicans buy shoes. Well, liberals, what we think are liberals, they like money too. And so far, it's been pretty smooth sailing. Now, if my show starts to suck, if I start getting way too old to do the show that I do, which will happen, or if my voice goes away, could happen, and the show stinks, then I can't complain for getting shown the door. Thank you. This has been fun. I appreciate the time. But so far, man, the new ownership here, Urban One, they've been fantastic. And think about this. Two of the biggest black media companies, right? Urban One and then uh, Duwan McCoy, who owns Wish TV here locally. Both of those guys have me on all the time. I'm employed by Urban One. I'm on Wish TV every day. I've done multiple side projects with Wish TV. Not too bad. Yeah, Tucker was doing pretty good too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's but, that's the that's that's what people in broadcasting or people outside of broadcasting don't get, right? You, you're number one until you're not, right? You're you're on the air until you're not. And I don't know how you feel about this, but you can say anything you want one time on the air. You can say anything you want one time, right? You might yeah. not be able to say it the second time, but you can say it at least the, first, the, the one time. Um, right. Let me let me ask you this: What do you see uh, as the as as we get into, we'll wrap up here. We got about 15 minutes left. As we wrap up um, 2023 and move into 2024, what what do you see on the horizon? Do you see the um, the dark side that we're going to see an uprising from, um, you know, potential terroristic militants, um, Antifa, Black Lives Matter? Or do you see it being a smooth sailing into 2024 that they don't want any ripples? They They want to make it look like they have control, even though they don't. You know what? Truth's always in the middle. I don't think you're going to hear too much from, I mean, you'll hear from BLM, but I think they've lost a lot of their power, their stigma of resonating with the audience. It goes back to what we talked about earlier. It's not going to be smooth sailing. It's going to be situations caused from the border. You're going to have somebody that came across this southern border that shoots a school, that rapes a bunch of women, that becomes a serial killer, something like that. That's what's going to happen. And that's what's going to, I think, take over, along with what's happening in Israel, the 2024 presidential election. And I hope, and this is what I hope with Donald Trump, I hope he just puts aside the crap that happened in 2020. Look, I get it. You feel like you were done dirty. I understand. 
but I don't know if that resonates with people anymore with all the crap going on right now. Talk about what you're going to do, how you're going to fix it, how this other guy looks like he's the corpse and weakened at Bernie's and he's not going to make it to the finish line. And if you want President Kamala Harris or whoever it is, that's your option. That's what I hope happens with Donald Trump, assuming he is the nominee. And I think that, you know, uh, I don't think downplaying 2020 has to be, um, I don't think it has to take a back burner. There's a way to do it. Rigged elections have, you know, consequences. Isn't that what Obama said? Elections have consequences. Well, well, so do rigged elections. Rigged elections have consequences. You're living through them right now. Because when they're rigged, they didn't earn them. They don't care about what they do. It's only moving forward their ideology. And that's what we've seen over the last three and a half years of the Biden administration is leftist, far leftist ideology being pushed through as normal. Um, this, This deal with the trans deal, right? It's funny to me. Nobody's paying attention to who Dylan Mulvaney is today when they think that they may get bombed by a terrorist. Isn't it interesting how all that stuff falls to the wayside? That right. we're back to survival, right? Yeah. Um, do you do you? So you're, you you were pretty active with your kids in school. Um, do you see the schools changing? Do you see that mom and dad's getting more involved? I know locally they are, but do you see that happening nationally? And do you see it being sustained to the point where? Um, we we can get our schools back and this indoctrination shit stops. I think you're going to see more of an attention on school board races. Now, in the past, it never really was that big of a deal. Most people who live in a community who might not even have kids in school don't give a damn. But if you're somebody that is like, wait a minute, they're teaching what at, my, at this school? They're turning these kids into activists. Now you've got a ball game because here in the state of Indiana, you know, unlike some other states, you don't have to declare a party to run for a school board seat. So you could be a guy like Mike Wells in Brownsburg. Oh, he's the fun ESPN guy. He talks about the Colts. Let's put him on the school board. And he runs a campaign that's clean, doesn't talk about anything controversial, gets in there, and it's critical race theory this and critical race theory that. That's the kind of thing people are going to start looking for, at least here in Indiana, and I hope across the country. And one of the things that I loved Ron DeSantis did in Florida when he was the governor at the height of his popularity, really campaigned hard and let everybody know who was running in these school board races. Yeah, I think it's important. People don't realize that what their kids are being taught um, today will make them your enemy in 10, 15 years. When you're trying to explain to your children, well, this is how it works. This is why it happens this way. No, mom, that's not what I was taught. Dad, that's not the way that it is. You're an imperialist. Right. You're a capitalist and, and, and you, you must be ripped away from the my teacher told me that your kids are with these people eight to 10 hours a day uh, and they have the ability more than you do to to educate them on what they want them educated on. And many of them don't have the, their own kids, their ideology. Right. Right. right? They, 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 they can't have kids. So they, they utilize your kids and indoctrinate them against you. Um, it's what Mao did uh, throughout China. And when you say stuff like that, oh, Kramer. That's crazy. But if it worked no, for I've them. Seen it. I had an honors English teacher give my oldest a lecture on his white privilege. Now, yep. to his credit, he told he very calmly and smartly told her, stick it where the sun doesn't shine. And this is why. But not everybody is like my son. Right. Some of these kids are going to start like, well, my teacher told me I need to think about my white privilege, even though this is an honors English class and has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Maybe I need to think about some things in my life. That's the kind of crap that parents need to know about. 
And the other thing, and it's usually these young teachers, right? Like the old surly bastard yeah. that's been there for a long time. He's there, you know, he does his thing, you know. Uh, he's probably got a bottle of scotch hidden somewhere in that classroom. It's the young, super progressive teachers just out of college that want to be friends with these kids. I don't need the teacher to be a friend to my kid. I don't want the teacher to come out to my kid, teach them math, sweet Jesus. Well, that was the whole thing, Jason. You know, in, in all the schools I went to and all of the uh, school districts I went to across the nation, I cannot tell you one teacher that I had when I was in school that I knew what their political ideology was. I didn't know if they took it in the ass. I didn't know that they liked to, to suck dick. I didn't know if they liked to eat pussy. I didn't know. I didn't know any of that. Right. Right. And and now now it's all on full display. And not only that, but it's it's a week after week after week you hear a teacher having sex with with you know one of her students. And here's what's odd about it: it's females going after 13, 14 year old boys. And here's what I think: this is just my mentality, right? But when you're writing and reading all this sexual content on a daily basis, and you got a hot 14 year old in front of you, and, and you were the the you know the plump chick in school when you were in school and now you you're looking good you know and to a 14 year old well you look fucking hot right. uh, i think that mentality i think that we're in a an era of narcissism where everybody does what feels good it's hedonism they can do whatever they want they can justify whatever they want nobody's going to say anything about it and i don't think it ends until toxic toxic masculinity and mama bears come back in and say we're done we're not playing these games anymore I, right. I want my kid educated. I don't want them indoctrinated. My three-year-old should not know what a butt plug is, but yet they do because they brought it into school to show people. Um, yeah. I, I think people are done with that. And you've got to stop being nice to some of these yep. people. Like, I'm not saying go in there and just start picking fights left and right, but if somebody is trying to pull some crap on your kids or lecture your kids on something, the time to play nice is over. It's time to dig down deep and be that mean, surly bastard and or yep. bitch that needs yep. to be that needs to happen here. And again, I've had parts of those conversations before. Well, you and I fall in the same category, right? I like to think of us as jovial dicks, right? <laughs> I'm the to be around until I'm not. Right. right? I, I, I want to party. I want to have a good time. But then when it's time to get serious about shit, I don't have any problem throwing down right then and right there. I've said it a million times, right? My dad would say, don't let me catch you. And if I do, well, I got really good at not getting caught. But if I did get caught, I was willing to work. I was willing to, to deal with the consequences. Most people want to slap somebody in the face without the consequences, right? right. So I'm not going to slap somebody in the face, right? If I'm going to deal with consequences, I'm knocking you the fuck out. Yeah, there's an expression we have in the hammer house. I Like whenever shit starts to get a little sideways, I'll tell my wife, you got the bail money, right? So. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Okay, well, let's let's, let's wrap up here. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you, what your handles are, and uh, where you work on a daily basis. Let's wrap it up. Sure. Uh, every afternoon on the radio, 93.1 WIBC in Indianapolis. You can stream it on all the platforms, uh, the website, the WIBC app. It's on iHeart. You can listen here in Indiana. 
Uh, the show is Hammer and Nigel. I, I am one half of the uh, program. My colleague Nigel is the other half. I also do a lot of stuff with the sports betting community because in addition to being passionate about politics, I'm kind of a degenerate. So I'm into all that stuff, too. I didn't want to bring that up, but I'll let you bring it up. Yeah, okay, so he's a degenerate now. He's admitted it. There we go. That's the first yeah. step to recovery. Hey, the money you win on some of these degenerate games, like betting on <laughs> Mac football, spends the same as the money you spend on an SEC game. Uh, at Hammer and Nigel is the show. My personal one, at Jason Allen Hammer, A-L-A-N, at Jason Allen Hammer. And, uh, man, I appreciate you having me on. Well, this has been fun. We have, uh, like I said, we worked together for years, but you were always kind of, we, we were ships passing in the night. Uh, I worked there during the day and you were the, the filling guy from time to time on weekends. And then, you know, I, 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 uh, I think the next time I saw you was out at the, uh, the casino. And then after that, um, uh, you popped up. Oh, I came down with, uh, Adam, our buddy, Adam, and, uh, saw you guys downtown when you were doing the podcast. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? Let's wrap that up real quick. We got about five minutes left. So, so talk to people. Cause this, this is what I think is interesting. Your story is very similar to, to what I've done is that you followed your passion, just having fun, and it turned into a career. Talk about that for a minute, that you were just doing the podcast. When I say just the podcast, you've been in radio before, but you saw a path that nobody else was doing. Talk about that for a minute. Right. So I was out of radio at the time, as was my friend and now co-host Nigel, who is a popular radio host. And I was doing marketing and you know all that stuff at the casino in Shelbyville. So that was my daytime job. But I still kind of had the passion for uh doing a show so my friend nigel and i we got together we reached out to our buddy tom that owns a bar downtown coach's tavern we started doing our show there just for free beers and we bring some of our some of our friends in from the media industry or sports or entertainment local politicians and uh, the show kind of took off we were end up getting better website numbers than most radio stations were getting <laughs> and we started getting some side sponsors and Man, it was really fun. You know, we had a limo, pick up our guests, take them back and forth. And that's when we got a phone call from X103, which was the rock station at the time. I think it's back now. Yep. And uh, they said, hey, we kind of want you guys to be the morning show. So we agreed to be the morning show. But then they blew out that program director and they brought in some guy who made himself the morning show. So we got stuck with the God awful weekend gig, which was a total lateral move. So from there... Nigel ended up doing voice tracking mornings in Terre Haute. I became the marketing director at the WIBC and we still kept the podcast going. And from there, you know, we had enough contacts on the inside. We got right. a weekend show and it went really well. Um, we knew Garrison was going to retire. So they were grooming us for that spot. So they put us on nights. And once Garrison retired, they moved us to afternoon drive. That was about five years ago. It took about six months to change that audience over from an afterthought to number one. But for the right. most part, man, we've been number one since. Yeah, that's, it's interesting. And again, I, I tell <clears throat> program directors and when I work with radio stations, TV stations around the country, I, I tell them the exact same thing. Never pull the reins back on a, on a Maverick, right? Let them run free. Yeah, they're a little reckless from time to time, um, but they'll always exceed your expectations. And, and that's what you've done in Indianapolis. Jason, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Jason Hammer from WIBC, if you get the chance, go follow him. Thanks again so much. Hey, I appreciate it, brother. Thank you.